not just cheese and chocolate, a Swinglish podcast about books and other stuff I like. Hi, I am Krista from Switzerland and this is the third episode of my podcast. All music used in this podcast is provided by my husband, Rolf. You can contact me via the podcast blog at notjustcheeseandchocolate.wordpress.com where you also find the episode notes and information on all the books I mention. If you have listened to the first two episodes of You Are Familiar with our special guest, Diane from the English Book Club. When I told her about this episode, I said that it would not be romance related, but feminist and fun, which led to her doing a whole episode on her own about how feminism has influenced her life, with a lovely and romantic surprise ending. It fits very well with the memoirs by seriously funny ladies that I will talk about in the first part of today's podcast episode. In this episode, I won't talk about animals or animals in books. I may return to a similar subject later on in the podcast, but for today I have chosen uh, three books I've recently read and that I really enjoyed, even though they were not my usual books I read. I'm not a great memoir reader and all those books are written by women who have something to say. Two are more memoirs, one is more uh, advice book, but all three are read in the audible audio version by the author herself and this added much to the experience. So the first book I will talk about is Dear Girls by Ali Wong. Ali Wong, the well-known comedian. I don't know her very well as a comedian. I've watched some YouTube videos of her, but mostly I know her from the movie Always Be My Maybe, a movie I really enjoyed a lot and that I want to watch again and probably again. So this book is a memoir, Dear Girls, with the title She Means Her Daughters that are still quite small. It is a book of experiences and advice that she gives her daughters, but it's certainly for them to read very much later as she's very direct and talks about stuff that are not for children. I think she mentions this in the beginning of the book that her daughters are not allowed to read this before they can drive, I think. So she talks about many subjects. She talks about her career, but also about growing up in her Asian American family, very culturally rich experiences about her studying abroad. She talks about finding her identity, searching for a partner, about many relationships and how she ended up with her current husband and the dad of said girls. She 
talks about very funny things that happened to her, but also about some very serious stuff like her miscarriage, for example, and the loss of her dad. So it's not a book that is always to laugh out loud at, but she's a comedian and the way she delivers, of course, is often very funny. But there are also some very serious and, yes, harsher moments in the book too. So if you only want to laugh, then it's maybe not the book for you, but I thought it was very interesting. I learned a lot about the experience of a working mom, a successful show career, about growing up in a background, in a family background that I have no experience with. So for me, it was a very interesting listen. I enjoyed myself very much. She was very direct in the talk about her sexual life. I had no problem with that, but maybe someone else would have. But what sometimes grossed me out a bit was her talking about bodily fluids. She was also very direct about bodily matters and there. That was really gross and grossed me out a bit. But I think it's part of her shows too that she is very direct and talks about stuff that is a bit taboo to others maybe and makes it funny in her own way. So that's her style and if you like her, you will certainly like her book, I'm sure. The next book I want to talk about is If Someone Says You Complete Me Run by Whoopi Goldberg. I adore Whoopi Goldberg. She was very important to my youth. Uh, she was, I think, in the first movie I saw with the boy that I was in love with, but not yet together with, just longing for. And later we also went to watch movies together that Whoopi Goldberg was in when we were together and this boy is still my husband today so for me there are very positive feelings related to this actress and I not very long ago heard an interview with her on David Tennant does a podcast if you have not heard it I advise you to go and listen to it the whole podcast is fabulous and the interview with Whoopi Goldberg was the best of the best. I cried, I laughed. She's an amazing woman and I admire her endlessly. I didn't really know until I listened to that interview that she started out as a comedian first and came to the movies later. I didn't know that, but it makes sense. If you see her perform in a movie, you realize uh, that, of course, she must have been an amazing comedian and probably still is. I don't know what her work is right now. In the book, she mentions a television show she is on and I don't watch television. So, I, of course, I don't know anything about that show. But it sounded interesting women related and the book is a relationship advice book in a way so it's not a memoir but of course she also talks about personal experiences so it has some memoirish parts in it uh, mostly it is 
her experiences put into advice for other people, for women mostly, I think, but she makes it open also to people of other genders. Uh, she talks about relationships and how she thinks that some people give themselves up in them and she advises us to be ourselves, to learn about ourselves and not enter into relationships for the wrong reasons or too fast because we don't want to be alone. So I could really relate to the book and it was also in parts very funny just because that's the way she is and talks. It's it's not like a book. I can't imagine actually reading the book in text. For me, it was very clear that I had to listen to it, that it was a listening experience and not a reading experience because it was like Whoopi Goldberg was talking to me and telling me about her life and about things that she found out through hard experience because she's a woman who's been through three divorces she says in the book and today lives alone because with a cat of course so I can very much relate to this and has decided that it's better for her to live alone even if she's in a relationship she prefers being by herself in her own place and she also explains why this for her is the best way to have relationships and that it's different for everybody but that we all have to find out by ourselves and she encourages us to go on that road to ourselves and find out what we need and how a relationship for us can work. So it's kind of funny that it's a relationship book by a person who currently, as far as I understand in the book, is not in a romantic relationship. But when you listen to it, you understand that it is helpful because what she says is also helpful for your relationship with yourself. And so that you can make good decisions that really work for you personally and are not what someone else or society or your family or whomever expects from you. And I found that a very liberating message and it was also something that I could very much relate to. As a young girl, I decided that I want to live alone with my dogs. Today I don't live alone. I live with my husband and my son and our cat. So it didn't turn out that way, but I can really relate to it because for a while that was my dream too. And sometimes I still think I would prefer living by myself because people are complicated and have different needs. And you are not always in a place that you can take care of everybody else's needs. You have to take care of your own needs first sometimes. And she talks about such things too in her book. So it's not a comedic book, but it has funny moments. And it's advice, but not by an expert, in it, but by a woman who has lived a very full life and from there has some experiences that can be helpful to others. I recommend the audiobook 
it's like she's talking to you personally. The third book I want to talk about is by Jenny Lawson. Jenny Lawson is a blogger. Some of you might know her from that. The book I listened to, also told by the author herself, was Let's Pretend This Never Happened. I also have another book by her on my nightstand. This is Furiously Happy, which I'm reading slowly in part because it's a collection of short texts that you can read from time to time. And Let's Pretend This Never Happened is the same way, but because I listened to it on audio, I had to finish it really fast. I couldn't stop listening to it. Uh, she narrates the book so well. She's so funny, so sweet, so, such a touching person, the way she talks about her innermost feelings and her mental and physical health, her struggles, and she's had some harsh struggles in her life and how she overcomes them on a daily basis, how she fights against depression and other stuff she's confronted with all the time and how she finds happiness and funny moments and love and companionship. So this, this is a book that made me very happy listening to it, but there are also very serious moments. She also talks about child loss, miscarriage. She talks about mental and physical health, as I've already mentioned. So I think it's the best way to talk about such matters uh, with humor, but also with humanity and with understanding. She gives a lot of herself to her listeners, I think, and maybe a good author to listen to if you're confronted with similar matters, I could imagine. I know a little bit about anxiety and social anxiety, and she's in a completely different place with hers. So when I listened to her, I was like, oh, I shouldn't complain. I have such an easy life. <laughs> yeah. And she says 90% of the book is true. People never believe that. But I, I believe her, even though some of the stories are just so crazy, which makes them funny. So it is a funny book about serious stuff. This is also why I called the episode Seriously Funny Ladies. And she certainly is that. There is also some very, very touching writing in there, hidden away. She's a great writer and she's a great storyteller. And I love that. So I enjoyed this. It made me happy. It made me laugh and it made me cry, of course, all of those. And I hope that you find this interesting and maybe one of the free books also appeals to you and you want to read it for yourself. I'm interested in your opinions on this episode and on other books that are similar that you want to recommend to me and other listeners. Bye! And now enjoy the story of Diane's life 
with her very personal take on feminism and femininity. Hi, it's Diane here again doing a podcast. And today's topic is feminism, which seems to have been a big topic for me all my life. I saw my parents in a relationship where finances made a big difference, and my mom didn't have a lot of options. So when I was 16 and the dentist I went to offered me a job, if I would become a dental hygienist, which I'd never even heard of, um, it sounded to me like he promised me a million dollars a day. And I said, sure, I'll do that. And that's what I did. I went to dental school for hygiene and I married the man I met in high school when we were 20. People are sometimes surprised to realize that America, even in the late 60s, was really quite prudish. And we couldn't live together without being married. And you couldn't bring your boyfriend to sleep at home at your parents' house. That just wasn't done. So we agreed that we would marry only after we had finished school. I was able to get a job easily, not so for my husband. So I went to work and he tried to get a job, but that wasn't going well. We got along well and we had a lot of talks and feminism was one of them. I was aware that in Michigan where we lived, that the Equal Rights Amendment was legislation to be voted on and I had uh, high hopes for it and it was a big topic for us and my husband agreed and I thought we really really we were on the same page all the time and at the same time there was another law about dental hygiene if dental hygienists could have independent practice and not have to work under um, or in the office uh, with a dentist if they could have their own practice well, time went on. My husband hadn't found a job, and so the option was to go to law school. So Diane continued to do her thing, and he was a very good student, and I did the rest. And after graduation, I'm very happy to say he was able to get an introductory job. Uh, introductory, what do you call that? Um, uh, an entry-level job with the state Supreme Court in the capital of Michigan. And so we moved to Michigan. I was very proud and happy and thought a new chapter in our life was beginning and things couldn't be better. I would be in Michigan, uh, Michigan's capital, and so with the legislation, I could be available and I thought that would just be the berries. I wanted to be a freelance writer and not have a job as I'd had for so many years. And my husband was in agreement with it. So I stayed at home and tried to write. At that time, I had a dirty little secret. Um, I'd always read beauty magazines about facial hair and women but they never had anything about that. They would only mention it and say, 
For more information, see an experienced electrolysis operator. Well, that didn't sound exactly good, and I didn't know what it was, and um, so I decided to do some investigating, and I had a lot of facial hair, and I got a lot of it removed. It was expensive. It was quite painful, but um, it needed to be done, in my opinion, and it was worthwhile. And after going through this, I thought, for a freelance writer, an article on, quote here, masculine sexual characteristics in women could be a very good uh, topic for a woman's magazine. And in doing this, I thought I was really connecting to my strength and my passion. And I was so surprised because there wasn't a woman's magazine, a beauty magazine that wanted it. So I thought about it, and then I realized that uh, this didn't go with their picture of things. So I changed my genre, and I went to a slightly sexy woman's magazine, and bingo, they loved it. They made it the centerfold, which is the center of a magazine in such a magazine, and it was a full-page color picture opposite my article, and I got paid for it, which may sound surprising, but with freelance, you just are glad for the exposure at the beginning. So I got paid. They used my name instead of making it seem staff written, and I was over the moon. The first article ever on um, facial hair for women. And all the other articles or all the other newspapers, they copied it, and I was so proud of myself. And that brought me to the realization that men have a hard time talking about feminism. Uh, it was new. It wasn't in their experience. And so I decided to use that when I went to speak to the politicians at the Capitol. And I tried lobbying. And I said, if if you have any questions about this or if you would like to have a speech or an article written, I would gladly do that for free if you would just consider the the equal amendments right in a positive way. So I did some of that, and unfortunately, neither bill passed. And I realized I loved my country, but I didn't think I could live here anymore. At on the home front, things weren't getting much better either. My husband did not walk his talk. He said yes to all things feminine uh, fem- for feminism, but he still didn't know how to use the dishwasher. He still didn't clean up. He still didn't think it was possible to make a meal or go shopping. So I loved my husband. But um, he didn't move, so I moved on. And at the age of 27, being married to a lawyer, I did a do-it-yourself divorce. (laughs) At 28, I had heard about Swiss dentists who wanted to have an American, American dental hygienist in their practice. They had studied in the States and realized the need for this service. So I looked into it, 
And when I was 29, I went to Switzerland for one year. <laughs> I'm still here, and that's 42 years later. So I was 10 years a hygienist in America and 10 years in Switzerland. The Swiss time was really interesting because my profession wasn't new. And in America, we didn't have things like go a year abroad very much. Uh, so the kind of women who were willing to come and work over here for a year were your more adventurous types. And I'm not sure, and I don't mean to be sounding too braggy or bold, but I had the feeling for a while that we were like Pan Am stewardesses in the golden age of travel. And as it goes, and I was a free woman and a liberated one, I played the field, I flew around the world, I saw China, I went to parties at the embassy. My job was in Bern, which is the capital of Switzerland. I always went home for Christmas, um, and I often had cards from the U.S. Embassy. And when my mom saw my cards signed by the American ambassador, well, she could not be more proud. She was absolutely agog at this. So after 20 years of being a hygienist, I started to have some health problems. So it was time to regroup and recoup, recuperate. And after a while, I decided that being a native speaker in a country that loves learning languages, that teaching English would be my plan B. I took some courses and got a certificate, but I soon found out that there was many hours to work for little money and there was no financial independence coming in that method. Well, I was fortunate and one of the students I'd had at a school was the um, education boss for Swiss uh, post office employees. And the post office at that call time was called the PTT and he recruited me for their change into uh, becoming a different kind of post office and they named it the Swiss Post. At the beginning, people didn't even know what I was talking about. They thought maybe it was a magazine or so. But um, it was a new way. I was their first teacher and I pretty much got to do things on my own because there was no script to how things had be. Um, or had been because they didn't have that before. But because they were going into the international market, they needed to have the Americans, the English slant on things. So I had the fun job of being able to help people or oh, like to um, make their CV sound American or make their business cards uh, with the right kind of terms. For an example, a man told me so proudly, I've been to high school. Well, in America, that's like minimum education. So I strongly recommended he did not put that on his <laughs> on his resume. Also, people's jobs, Sacharbeiter. Um, now that's a terrible word to try to give people an idea of what you do. 
And um, so I got to make up job titles and descriptions. And oh, man, it was just great fun. I also learned what it was like for the men who got the jobs that the women didn't. Yes, that was very, very seeing. Um, Almost 10 years later, things had changed a lot and we had a lot more bureaucracy, a lot more um, administration. And for me, that wasn't so much to the better. So I decided I'd had enough experience. I would prefer to do things my own way and I left to start up my own company. I did in-company training and private lessons. Unfortunately, uh, something very bad that affected the whole world was the economic crash. And where companies had been willing to have courses or pay for my services for private lessons for people going to congresses or whatever, that came to an abrupt end. And for the first time in my life, um, as jobs dwindled and dwindled, I had to go to unemployment. And that was a hard thing. I still had some work, but not enough. And then, as it got worse, I had to go to social services because I was not earning enough money. And during that time, one reflects, and I thought about the men I didn't marry and relationships that had died out. On good days, I was sort of like Frank Sinatra singing, I did it my way. And on bad days, I usually wanted to think or um, to kick myself in the ass. I felt like a real dumbass, but usually not for long. Because I think settling for less or selling myself short just didn't cut it. So I couldn't I couldn't think that way for long and I would rally because I firmly believe when we do what feels right, it will always work out. Maybe not as we'd imagined and maybe even better, maybe not even better. Being on social services was not a high point. And besides being poor, I was quite lonely. I decided to try parship. Oh, man, are there many frogs, many, many frogs for a princess to kiss on on Parship. I didn't do a lot of kissing. I wanted to stop after a certain pain threshold had set in. I was just about ready to cancel my subscription when something caught my eye. Till then, I had always dated um, German-speaking men. Switzerland has four official languages, and I lived in the German section and had learned German, but French I didn't know. And there was this picture that just caught my eye of a French man who spoke English and wrote with humor. So I decided I would write and give it a go. And his English was good and it was funny although he made a point of saying this is my English at the highest altitude possible it was fun Um, he described himself as a 
simple countryman whose family owned us had owned a sawmill and that he lived in a small village or just outside the village hmm. I wrote him on a Thursday. We wrote back and forth on Friday and Saturday, and we met on Sunday morning. When I got out of the train, there was what looked like a very British, an English gentleman was waiting for me. And we were going to have lunch at a nice restaurant, he said. So I had worn a black dress, and to make it a little bit more country-like, I put a blue jean jacket over it. And as he escorted me to his 20-year-old Volvo, he said, we planned this a little early, and how did I feel about maybe going to his place for tea? Because the... Reservation wasn't until 12.30. Now, my brother had always warned me about, about dating online kind of things and said, never get into a stranger's car. Never go to their house. And I was just breaking the rules right, left, and center, but it was still really early, and so um, I agreed. So I got into the Volvo, and the city girl was very surprised when we we came to a gated entrance to a chateau. He had described himself as a simple man from the country, and he maintains that's what he was. Um, so... When we parked the car and we're going to go in, I thought, I truly thought that this man was probably the caretaker of this house. This house had 18 rooms and, uh, how would you say that? And a garden that looked like a park. It was just gorgeous. And um, so we went in. There was no other people around. I must say, the house sort of looked like a museum. And I, I wasn't sure what to make of it all. And during tea, he let me know, yes, this is his house. And it had been the family house. They were the fourth generation in it. And his parents have passed away, and he lives in this 18-room house by himself. Well, well, well. So we um, we hit it off very well. And then it was time for lunch. And it seems he had often been at this restaurant that was by his house, and all the waitresses adored him. And they were so sweet and smiley to us. And I think we sort of clicked right during the first meal. And um, we fell in love that day. And we have pretty much been together ever since. We met in February. We married in October. And now with the pandemic, we're together every single day. 
but we're very happy for it. And I feel very, very protected and privileged. He has money, yeah. He has a lot of responsibilities. He has not lots and lots of money, but he has enough that we can live securely and comfortably. And that's the story of how the feminist married a prince. I hope you enjoyed. And go forward as the great person you are, doing what you believe in is right for you. Don't forget your feminism, but don't forget your femininity. Amen, sisters and brothers too. And may we all live happily ever after.